And that's an exciting day to celebrate. And it's, of course, not something that the church just celebrates. It's something that the people of God have celebrated for many, many centuries. It's a Jewish festival, a harvest festival that uh, kind of pops up in the calendar, in the Jewish calendar, 49 days plus one after the Passover. And so the church... Uh, joined in that because God fulfilled something that he had prophesied many, many uh, years beforehand. And I just want to read uh, out of the prophet Ezekiel to you this evening, and it's uh, a prophecy that hit the people of God uh, while they were in exile in Babylon. So these were people who were far away from their beloved Jerusalem, far away from their spiritual center, and somehow this place was an outward sign of an inward reality in them because somehow their life had reflected something of that distancing from God. And God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36, and I'm reading from verse 24. For I will gather you up, from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my, regula uh, my regulations. And you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. What a prophecy. Amazing. So a huge heart operation that God is prophesying here. I will give you something completely new, something palatable. You know that the definition for sin is a heart curved in on itself. So, you know, the, the person that loses perspective and everything suddenly is only about yourself and your responses and your circumstances. But the call into the kingdom of God is something completely different. It's a call out of the kingdom of me into the kingdom of us. You leave something behind, and Jesus is inviting us on this journey, saying something very clear. He's inviting you to deny yourself and pick up your cross and to follow him. And if you'd noticed in this uh, scripture here, he was talking about those two things. You know, you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey. Follow means that you are being led. You don't have to live life out of your own steam and regulations and trying to figure out where it's going. Suddenly, there's a dynamic life in you that will take you by the hand and lead you. You weren't created to be just a lone ranger and fight your way through life. You were created to be empowered by the Spirit and led by the Spirit and follow the one that leads. And then he's talking about the obedience. And obedience means to resemble something. To obey God means to resemble his character. And in Matthew 18, 11, Jesus talks about the fact that he came to, 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 um, to let me just get this right. He came to restore that which was lost. 
And what was lost? The image that you were created to display and show. The image of God inside of you that you were to display to all of creation was lost the moment you thought that life was all about yourself. When your heart started to curve in on yourself. And so this prophecy is all about some great thing that is going to happen to you because God's going to do it and it's not something you have to conjure up in order to make it happen. So this, the Pentecost Sunday, the reception of the Holy Spirit, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not something you have to work up. Now that's really relaxing to know, isn't it? So tonight, you know, whatever we're doing, when we're opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, it's not something we have to make happen. It's something that God is going to do among us. Now in John, uh, the Gospel, in chapter 3, we read something quite remarkable. And let me just quickly turn to that. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to it as well. John chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse where are we here? 20, no, 31. He has come from above, says John the Baptist, and speaking about Jesus. Jesus has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put, put everything into his hands. Now Jesus was endued with limitless Spirit of God. And that's important to understand and to, to, to know when you look at the Gospels and see how Jesus operated. He was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized and he was the only person who was endowed with the Holy Spirit without limit. Now when the Spirit is being poured out on the church, we are told that the people of God had been given gifts. And this is the charismata, the, the grace gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's something important to know. God doesn't want you to be some superhuman as he empowers you with the Holy Spirit so that you just go through life and everything just works swell and everything is perfect and you just glide over every circumstance and you will not have a bad day or a bad moment in your life ever again. But it's important to know that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it is, you know, the Holy Spirit is coming in a limited fashion. And let me explain that a little bit further here. Because it is, he's, he's pouring into you in bits, if you like, you know. And it's important to know because we are one body. There are many people and we resemble the body of Christ. And the body of Christ displays the fullness of the Spirit. You see, it's Jesus himself who has the Spirit limitless, but we have bits of it. And when we come together, suddenly we bring something together of the fullness of the Spirit and that can grow and grow and grow, and, you know, because there's always more of the Spirit. But it's important for you to know that when you're being filled with the Spirit, you need your brothers and sisters to add to what you have already been given. 
Paul is talking to Timothy in Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 7. And we read this. This is what I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Obviously, Paul had to encourage Timothy not to step outside of what he's been given, to use what he's been given in order to add to what he's, God wanted his whole body to display. And so Timothy was maybe a bit of a shy person, maybe a bit inward, and he had to be encouraged and said, look, when you don't forget to use that gift that God has given you by the laying on of hands. Don't forget to use what I have given, what, what God's Spirit has put inside of you. And it's not a spirit of timidity, something you need to hide, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, Paul is talking about this spirit of power. And he's talking about the nine gifts, the ninefold gift that he's enduring and giving into the body of Christ. He's talking about a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You see, if we, if, let's say James would have been given the fullness of the Spirit, he wouldn't need anyone else. And he wouldn't even need to go to church. He could just listen to a YouTube sermon and be glad and happy. And even he wouldn't need to do that either because he'd be better than the guy on the YouTube. So, you know, it's not a competition here. It's not something where you need to perform in the spirit so that others go, wow, what a spiritual person that is. You see, if somebody's displaying the gift of the spirit, it speaks of the giver of the gift and not of the person who's been given the gift. True? So... If Janie gives me, well, I don't know, um, let's say if, if she would give me a new bicycle and, you know, I'd go around and say, look at my bike, aren't I great? You know, it doesn't speak of how great I am. It speaks, if people know that Janie has given it to me, well, she's generous, <laughs> pretty generous to give you a bike. That's wonderful. What a generous person. So when you start seeing the gift of the Spirit operating in a person, you're not thinking, oh, that person must be super spiritual, amazing, you know, super close to God. The gift is speaking of the giver. And so here we read uh, that, you know, everyone has been given a gift. And that's important for you to know. You've been given a gift. And some of you don't realize that maybe, or maybe you're too shy to use it, or maybe you think I'm, I'm not prayed up enough, or I haven't read my Bible enough this week, or this or that, whatever hinders you. But listen, it's a gift. It's not something you earned, it's a gift. And then he talks about the various gifts that are being given. To one person, the Spirit gives ability to give, why, how do you say that in English? Wise advice. W and Vs are really hard for me to... <laughs> so there you go um, to another the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge so a word of knowledge like I was in a meeting and, and um, suddenly you know, a person had a word of knowledge and that word was this I see God saying to someone your front door is blue and your front door number is number 8 
what a weird word of knowledge. But then there was a person in, 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 in the congregation who suddenly started, you know, being so touched and being so excited because she'd been praying about the fact that she doesn't feel that God knows her and knows where she lives and knows her circumstances. And she was pretty frustrated and she's been praying and saying to God, you know, do you even know where I live? And then suddenly somebody had this word of knowledge and didn't know what was happening. But you see, that person is pretty lifted up after that service. Oh, God knows where I live. He knows my front door is blue and knows my number is eight. And that's exciting, isn't it? But you see, if, if all that gifting was just in, in the vicar or in, in another person of spiritual esteem, you know, and that person would have to do everything, it wouldn't be fun, would it? So to really have fun in church, I think we need to bring our gifts, don't you? And we need to start giving them out, handing them out. And so, gift of knowledge. Uh, the same spirit gives great faith to another great faith, great trust, great belief in a situation where you might have not much faith. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. So obviously not everybody has got this gift. We all can pray for healing, of course, but maybe there's somebody who's got the gift of healing. Why not let them pray for someone? It doesn't mean that you're a less powerful Christian. Well, it just speaks of the giver who loves to involve everyone. And another, the ability to prophesy. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So, we're not being given a spirit of timidity, but of power. And here we see the power gifts operating. Then in chapter 13, Paul talks about love. You know, we've been given a spirit of power, but also of love. And he says, love is patient and kind. Love is not uh, jealous, or boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. So you see, those gifts operate not just in power, but also in love. So the way how we deal those gifts out display that love. We're not going to be rude. <laughs> God's revealed something to me, and I prophesy about you, and you've done this and this last week, you naughty child. You know, that wouldn't be very loving, would it? So, you know, there is this aspect of love. And then, of course, God has also given his spirit of uh, self-discipline or order. And this is what Paul picks up in chapter 14 when he talks about the order in the service and how we don't need to all prophesy at once and there's an order and, you know, do everything in decency and order, basically. So here we have it. And all of these gifts are there to display part of who God is. And that's why it's important that we have church, because you cannot do that by yourself, because you realize I'm given into a body of people, of believers. And when we come together, the Holy Spirit is giving gifts. And those gifts are important to receive. They're building up the body and strengthening the body. And that's what we want to do tonight. 
We want to explore that as we're reaching out and display that. And what is being displayed here? Again, it is the character of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're reading, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, the veil that kind of stops people from believing and having faith. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into, the into his glorious image. You see, this image of God inside of us as his body is being restored as we're coming together and reflect his character, sharing the gifts he gives, and the body is built up through him. And that's so important to understand. We need one another in this setting. We're coming together to worship, but also to be God's gift to one another. And I'd love a, if, if, if we could have some time now where we can practice that a little bit, where we can just um, enter back into worship, but also into sharing those gifts with one another and listen out and start to, to reach out to God and say, what gift do you want to give me today for someone here? And it can be a bit daunting sometimes because you think, oh, I'm sure God doesn't use me right now or whatever, you know. The worst that can happen is that you say something that might not happen. But then that's not really bad, is it? Because we are all practicing. I don't get it always right. Matter of fact is sometimes I'm really wondering whether <laughs> what I've said is at all useful to anyone, you know. But it's not about me, is it? So... Let's believe that the Holy Spirit can even deal with those things when we get it wrong. <laughs>